Welcome back to Investing 404, the podcast for amateur investors, for amateur investors. I'm Gov and I have Chris here with me. We've both been investing for over a year and we'd like to give an insight on how we analyze companies for investment. Thanks for tuning in again. Today's the ETF special and it's part two. So if you've missed part one, go back because today it's all about these funky ETFs that we didn't mention in the first part. If you want to rather listen to Goff's portfolio update or me talking about a 10-bagger that might lose you a lot of money or might make us all a lot of money, then listen to the last episode. Also, quick reminder, we added timestamps in the description. So if you want to jump to a specific ETF, then do that. Right, Goff, let's start. If your nan was to ask you what's an ETF, let's do a quick recap. And for further details, people can just go back to part one. <laughs> Nanny Chris. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here's, here's, here's how I would think about it. Uh, let's say you're trying to invest. Um, investing in a company, like one company, is risky, right? Let's say you put all your money into Apple and then tomorrow Apple shuts down. Well, there's your money gone. So instead of trying to find the perfect company that's going to do really well, why don't you just buy the whole market? So you buy the whole market and the basket of all the companies within whatever uh, industry sector, whatever profile you want. And each company has a small weighting. And by that, over time, the industry is most likely going to go up. And by doing that, you accumulate more wealth. <laughs> How's that, Nanny Chris? <laughs> I actually meant your man, but that's fine. <laughs> no, uh, I think Gov nailed it. And the different ETFs, you can even break it down further. You know, you can track an index like the FTSE 100, biggest 100 companies in the UK, or the S&P 500, the same in the US. You can also break it down further into high dividend versus momentum and high value but there, there's a lot of nuances with all of these or you go to different sectors like clean energy oil banks utilities uh, a couple of best practices again if you're just listening to this one try to stick with established names for your etfs so something like vanguard iShares, spdr don't go with something really strangely sounding uh, hip company that might have just established and the second point that's the low cost an etf of one percent fee is doesn't sound right you know it, it defeats the purpose of long-term investing if you're paying one percent every single year if you want to know any more of that basic information in a lot more depth please check out the episode one like chris said and and what is important right gov is is the fact of how we broke it down like 60 percent, 70 percent of your portfolio should be those etfs that we mentioned in part one i.e world emerging and all of these like base base etfs that everyone should have yeah exactly so the, the point of etfs is that you're accumulating your wealth right so you're not trying to invest and try and gain a high return or etc etc you're just trying to accumulate wealth so that over 20 30 years you've amassed a, a serious amount of money compared to investing in a 10 bagger and hoping to get like rich out of the back of it right so it's a completely different uh, type of strategy where you're just being passive and trying to be a passive investor so you don't have to monitor any of these stocks you just uh, expect the rise over time yeah i think by now about 20 percent of the listeners have switched off <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear about sustainable investing come on. Uh, i have faith uh, our etf first episode i think it's our number yeah. one heavy hitter uh, so, uh, so I think I have faith. It's again, I think the most important investment uh, for your life. So, 
definitely something that even after this episode, if you're still confused, definitely worth spending time to understand it further, understand the tax implications, understand all the various elements that uh, attune to it. Yeah, so for t for today's episode, then I think we should focus on like a couple of examples of stuff that goes strays away from the traditional um, ETFs that we covered in episode one. We'd had a lot of questions on different types of ETFs, what other more interesting ones are out there, and we'll cover those to some detail. Some that maybe we've invested in, some we've not invested in. And well, Goff, let's go to let's get to our first one because our first one goes against both of these principles. So Arc is pretty new, and it's got high cost, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's for sure one of the most groundbreaking ETFs over the past ten years, right? Yeah. So Arc's an interesting one, Chris. Uh, and by typically when we talk about Arc, we talk about the Arc Innovation ETF. I mean, the Arc investors. Uh, got a fair few active ETFs and it's also got a couple of like sort of index ETFs. And the, the one that you're talking about, the ETF split across high tech companies. Uh, I think around eight and a half percent of it is Tesla, right? And Tesla, we all know, is just just absolutely crushed the last year. So no wonder it's done really well. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> Tesla, Roku has got about 6.7%, Square's around 5%, Teladoc about 5%. So these are like high tech companies uh, some of these you will notice from 10 baggers as well that Chris has come out with in the past with like CRISPR. So tech companies that are like at the bleeding edge of whatever industry that they're betting on, right? And it's obviously done really well because these companies themselves have done really well in the last year. And and obviously the past year has been full of hype companies, full of growth, what's going to be the next big thing. And this is where ARK has just exploded since the corona crash. If you put 20,000 in at the Corona crash, this ETF is now worth 70,000. So you have a bit of magnitude. It's more than tripled, which is for an ETF, it's just crazy, right? Uh, with 48 different stocks to triple. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and ARK is a mo lot more closely aligned to hedge fund managers as the standard ETF because ARK was created by Catherine Wood, who's still the CEO. Um, and CIO. So she is running the entire ARC company. And with that, she has a team of many analysts that look for the next big thing. Where this goes away from the traditional hedge fund is number one, uh, her ARC Invest ETFs trade on the standard stock market. So you can just buy and sell them all day long as you want. And number two is it's very, very future orientated. Where most hedge fund managers just care about the next two to three years to build up the size of their hedge fund, to get more clients invested and to be a little bit more safe. They invest in Apple, Amazon or anything like that. Whereas Catherine Wood and her ARC team, they've just looked at what's the next big thing in 10 or 20 or 30 years. For them, it's pure long-term ETF. So that's that's for sure the, the main positive right now about this one. It's well, very well managed. It's long-term outlook and it's got some very interesting companies in it. So even if you don't want to invest in ARK, I think it's a it's a good thing to look at what companies ARK is looking at. So what new companies are they including in some of their ETFs? Because because the, there's clearly a, a team of very knowledgeable analysts in her team that have found this company that is clearly doing something special in that specific area they were looking at. 
couple of other things. Expense ratio is 0.75%. That's obviously quite high for an ETF. Uh, as Goff said, a couple of negatives for sure. Tesla is like nine to ten percent, depending on what you look what you look at. And do you really think Tesla is going to do this much better now over the next three four years? There's it's it's definitely more risky than than some of the more established companies. And then the technology breakdown, as Gov mentioned, you have e-commerce, you have cloud, gene therapy, 3D printing, bioinformatics, energy storage. It's it's all of the new stuff that's up and coming. Yeah. So with that, are you invested? Did you consider investing in in Arc, Chris? So I, I have looked at it, but I didn't like the Tesla waiting. That's why I never got into it. Uh, so, so what I've actually done, and we'll get to that in a second, is in trading two one two, I've kind of built my own arc type uh, ETF, and that, that's been quite successful over the past few months. And then, Gov, would you still get in now with all the growth it's had? It's more than tripled this year. Do you think it's going to triple again? Unlikely, right? I'll explore this idea a bit later, Chris. But for me, I I don't even want to be getting into an ETF that's going to triple, right? I think I think that that's like the wrong aim here because if I if I'm a company is tripling, the likelihood is the ETF's way too uh, way too exposed, right? Way too heavily weighted in one area or one region, right? So uh, I, I think from that initial point, I wouldn't want to get in anyways because it seems like we're we're potentially taking on a lot of risk here in the future. Uh, and to your initial question. Can it replicate that performance? I uh, probably not. Like the when do you see companies that are just ten times their money and then ten times it again, right? And but again, this is like an ETF, so it's not that one person needs to do that. Three or four or five different companies need to do that. So exactly, yeah, I, I definitely think it's unlikely if you're getting in hoping for that uh, to happen. I think that's probably not very wise. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Gov. So what's your opinion then if we move to the other side of the spectrum and we have ETFs, for example, on the gold and silver price, right? Just completely hedging against a potential inflation or crash in the market. And maybe you want to give a quick recap on what hedging uh, means in that scenario. Yeah, we've done a learning segment on this before, so I can check that out. But essentially when someone says they're hedging on an investment, uh, it means that they're protecting the downside from whatever other investment they've got going on right so let's say i invested in a bunch of like tech companies uh i'll hedge that by doing something where whereby if the tech companies go down this other instrument increases right and typically stuff like gold silver uh, are like really standard ways of hedging and very recently uh it seems like Bitcoin becomes more and more uh, likely replacement or an additional element of hedge. Uh, but let's take gold and silver then. So um, again, iShares ETFs on both. Uh, very interesting movements over time. So it's really important, I think, if you get into some of these ETFs, especially something like gold and silver, you look at the viewpoint over 10 20 30 years and see what the movements have been like what the return has been like and and then compare that with the market today and that way it gives you a good understanding as to like how you expect things to fluctuate over time uh, whether it's something i want to be investing in probably not uh so it gives whilst you have this diversification benefits and whilst it gives a good 
inflation hedge. I think that's the primary benefit, the inflation hedge. You still have a lot of, uh, if, if you look at what happened with gold and how gold changed over the pandemic timeframe, right? It's very clear that actually investors seem to want to diversify elsewhere, not into gold. So gold at one point, I think last year, was at its all-time highs, all-time highs, all-time highs. Uh, but how do you see that playing out in the next 5, 10, 20 years where other instruments become more popular as a way of diversification? So I think I wouldn't want to get into uh, silver especially. Uh, gold, I think, is a much more sort of reliable time for a much more reliable instrument. I think over the most part, silver is a lot higher fluctuation. So when it increases, it increases higher than uh, gold when it decreases it decreases more than gold and like i said earlier we want to be as smooth as possible so i think if if i would, I was to invest in one of those it'd be gold uh, but i don't see myself investing in that and that's a great point right people were protecting their portfolios against the crash but in the corona time frame gold also crashed by about 20 to 30 percent so it didn't protect the portfolio much Saying that, it is a great protection if you believe in the next five to ten years we'll have heavy inflation or any other situation where prices increase heavily and you just want to have an asset that moves up with the price because gold usually moves up with the higher prices. So if you wanted to invest, I think we're both not fans, but if you wanted to, iShares uh, are great for gold and iShares Silver. Those are two separate ETFs. And the expense ratio is 0.25% a year, which is not crazy. Saying that, you will never get rich with gold or silver. This is probably just a maintaining ETF. <laughs> yeah, with that, let's go to a different kind. And we mentioned last time how it's really important to think about industry location and the type because the point here is let's say i only invested my money in s&p 500 if the u.s stock market something happened to it and it crashed whereas the rest somewhere else did really well well now my portfolio is worth a lot less and actually the purchasing power of that's also worth a lot less look elsewhere into other other countries other areas uh, and other industries or uh, get an all-world ETF, right? Uh, and a good example of an emerging markets one is uh, the MSCI Emerging Markets one. So it's SPDR MSCI Emerging Markets Asia uh, ETF. Pretty cheap, just like most of these in index funds are at 0.55. It's also got a bunch of like net tracking indexes at the back of it. So you could actually find it more easily. And de uh, depending on your investment platform, the likelihood is because of the different trackers, you could find it in, on your one. So it's very accessible and it's very liquid as well as being cheap. Yeah, for sure. And if, if you like Gov and I, and, and we're both very bullish on Asia in general, and bullish means we, we think in the next you know five to 10 years, Asia is going to have a huge uh, potential there. Um, then this this is fantastic, right? It, it eliminates Russia, uh, Latin America, and maybe some other markets that you don't maybe know much about. And it just leaves you with the emerging markets part that's, that's all in Asia. So China, India, Vietnam, you know, all of these smaller high growth countries that, that could see high growth in the next couple of years. Yeah, what I would say is a negative though is, I guess, the weighting. You, you want to be careful with the weighting and see if it aligns to your vision, right? So uh, if I take the top three 
companies, right? You got Tencent, about 8%. Uh, TSMC, which is Taiwan Semiconductors, which is around, again, 8%. And you got Alibaba about 7 and a bit percent. Uh, and that's about 20% of the whole ETF being three huge companies in China or in uh, with a lot of conflict with China. So uh, it, it's really important to like, if, if you've got a strong view that, hey, China must, might have a massive crackdown on some of these companies and regulate some of them, growth might not be as stable, et cetera, et cetera, uh, then it, this probably isn't the right ETF for you. So just really important to consider that. It's like investing in the US and actually you're investing 25% into Amazon, Apple, uh, Microsoft and those 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 top five companies. And it's the same with the emerging markets Asia. If you're a little bit confused about what what the pressures that could arise from the Chinese government, uh, check out our Alibaba episode because we went into that to a lot of detail because uh, we saw Alibaba as a strong company but with extremely difficult sort of climate uh, um, to succeed. Yeah. And, and saying that to be fair, if emerging markets Asia really performs as well as we think over the next 10 years, then the biggest beneficiaries will probably be Alibaba, Tencent, Taiwan Semiconductors, because those are the ones that own other companies in that space. They expand into other countries in that space. So um, it makes sense. The weighting does make sense. Right, Gov, let's get to our last one. And that's the whole new movement around sustainable and ESG investing. And we have a special one here. That's the Vanek Sustainable World Equal Weight, important equal weight. And we'll get to that in a second. ESG are criteria like environmental, social and governance that are put uh, against the company's profile. So there's the index providers like MSCI, or uh, FTSE that check all companies against the criteria of environmental, i.e. where does their waste go, do they have any recycling, all of that stuff against social, how have their contracts been, how do they behave against other suppliers, how are their suppliers, are they meeting uh, workers' rights and all of that, and then governance criteria, have they used transparent accounting methods, are they accurate, have they given any false information, all of that. And all of that together, ESG has become a huge move movement and every single year it grows by about 20 to 30 percent of income because our generation and i know my mom and other investors look more towards putting their money to use to companies that are actually looking after their workers looking after the environment are going to make sure that they're not just profit driven companies that don't care about anything and anyone else right and this is the whole movement that's happening with esg uh, investing right now the etf specifically so the vanek vector sustainable world equal weight etf well they need to come out with better names yeah. but, uh, <laughs> uh, but the etf specifically has 0.3 percent as its total expense ratio so it's really uh quite cheap uh and the other really interesting part of it and chris kind of touched on it here but it's really widely kind of diversified across countries and sectors. Uh, so definitely check out the website because it's across different countries and across sectors. It's not just all in finance, all in tech. And we mentioned how ARC was so heavily in one area, whereas here it's across the board, right? So it's really interesting uh, to take a deeper dive into. For sure, right? And 
another special thing is that they keep rebalancing as well away from the big winners. I'm not sure if that's positive, but they keep trying to make sure most companies are within the 0.4% maximum hurdle and they keep rebalancing that once in a while. So Tesla that's now weighted at 2% will eventually get rebalanced to be more in line with 0.4% which in the Tesla example, I quite like. And then some of the companies in there, yeah, for sure. Uh, you've got NVIDIA, Tesla, Adyen, Shopify, uh, Capgemini, all companies that probably have a pretty good track record with ESG. It's, it's a little bit, I think we'll do a whole episode in the future about ESG investing because it's a little bit subjective based on who, who's checking and what they're checking for, but uh, it at least makes sense to go into that direction. And, and the other important part is the world equal weight part of the Vanek portfolio. So, so the usual world index actually has 60% or more just US-based stocks, whereas the Vanek sustainable world equal weight, what a mouthful. Um, really? <laughs> the, they need to come up with better names. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but it has only maximum 40% per region. So the US is only at about 38%. And then other regions like Europe and Asia have a lot better weighting in this than the traditional world uh, ETF. So it's an interesting one. We're both not invested, but um, if if you do believe in ESG and you want a little bit more allocation away from the US, then that's a, an interesting candidate. Yeah. And Chris, let, let me quiz you about a couple of the questions we had on ETFs, a couple of the um, ideas on and companies that we had on our Instagram page. Uh, again, if you have any questions, thoughts or comments, let us know at uh, Investing404 on Instagram. Uh, so the question is around Moon ETF. Have you heard of this? Yeah, I have. And and the, there's a couple of ETFs, but I think why it's got recently in the news is because ARK, so Cathy Woods, the company we're just explaining, is trying to start a space ETF. And by space ETF, they mean companies that they see dominating the space innovation drive over the next 10 years. So these are companies that either send rockets up or they build satellites or they do anything else. So like laser communications and other things, that, that's essentially what that ETF is about. But I, I guess, Goff, you have a very specific opinion about these very special ETFs, right? For me, it goes against the whole philosophy, right? And I think if I wanted to look at um, a specific company that really inspired me, I would invest and actively invest in that right whereas etfs for me are like a passive way of growing my my wealth so for me the idea right if i, if I take this moon, e, moon etf it's called moonshot innovators etf the top 10 companies like i don't know any of them vuzik microvision tenable holdings fuel cell nano dimension i don't know any of these companies right and, and the one i know is right at the bottom with plug power with two percent <laughs> but it, for me, if I'm investing in this now, because I don't know any of these companies, I, I need to be actively managing it and I need to actively make sure that I am rebalancing, buying more, taking some out, et cetera, et cetera. I want to be making those decisions, which goes against why I invest in ETFs in the first place, right? I want to be investing really wide uh, and make that growth smooth. There's a really interesting article as well uh, um, by Ocom Investing, uh, which I definitely recommend anyone who's like a risky investor or wants to look at the risk and high reward um, to check out. It's called Smooth is What We Aim For by Ocom Investing. And it gives you a really good insight of 
let's say uh, a bet where you have to flip a coin and if you flip it uh, if you win you get 40 percent if it's tails you lose 30 percent would you accept the gamble and almost everyone would say yes because the reality is your percentage gain is higher but it runs you through how if we run that over time right even though your expected return is positive the likelihood of you being in the positive is not very good uh, definitely check it out uh, gives you good insight on why you're trying to get smooth and consistent return over time to build your wealth rather than this 200% spike and then a 100% crash or and etc etc yeah i can only recommend that article uh, it's it's a very good read uh golf as a, as a second question we get asked about trading 212 quite a bit because we mention it and it's it is a fantastic platform at least for now because of their low fees uh have you have you built your own pie yet and do you want to give a quick overview of what a pie is yeah so, so just like let's say vanguard puts together an etf and it selects a bunch of different stocks or whatever and it puts it together and that's your etf you can do that yourself in some of these trading platforms like trading 212 like chris said it allows a lot of flexibility if you had a specific vision instead of betting on that one company you could bet on all three right and if any of them really boom then you get some return back i think chris you you've got a couple really good examples of how you used in your trading 212 yeah yeah, exactly. I use the pie specifically for things that either I can't invest in or the ETFs that do invest in this category are too expensive. So one of them is around 3D printing and I put very little money in it, but it's been done, been doing fantastically. Um, cannabis we mentioned, but there's no great ETF on it. So what I did is I bought the 10 biggest companies in that and I've allocated each one the relevant uh, proportion. I put in 100 pound a month and that's allocated across these 10 companies, like an ETF would, right? And it spreads the risk because I don't know which one of these companies is really going to outperform. So I just buy all 10 <laughs> and trading 212 then does the rest of my money and allocates it. So it's just a fantastic way to build your own ETFs essentially. And you can even do that um, further. So I've done my own ARK type ETF with all the future thinking companies. And I think there's about 40 companies that I've invested in through this mechanism. And again, I put 100 pounds in or whatever amount you want to, and that distributes it between these 40 companies. I don't have to do anything, all right? It's so easy and nice to handle. Um, that's really a feature that I don't think most of the other platforms have. And I, I think we, we've pretty much covered anything we wanted to mention now for the second part. One thing that I do wanted to emphasize one more time is an ETF isn't just a great way to uh, build wealth over time but you're also not inclined to keep buying and selling like these apps entice you to do because you keep checking oh alibaba's dropped five percent or hang on amazon has gone up ten percent now i should sell some amazon or maybe i should buy some alibaba you, you just keep being enticed by these really simple apps on your phone to keep buying and selling certain stocks whereas etfs can mitigate that you put money in an etf you put it in there 200 pounds every month and you don't even think about selling it why would you sell that right <laughs> just keep that for the next 10 years and then maybe you can think about it if you have a big purchase coming up and um we we are big fans of of putting a lot of our wealth into etfs so and if, if you have any questions, just let us know because we can do a third part on other ETFs or other areas you would like to know more about. Yeah, agreed, Chris. And with that, guys, I think that rounds up today's episode. Um, so make sure you um, share this with your friends. Give us your comments because we're really trying to like 
improve and change and build your questions into this. Uh, we'll be shortly coming out with a, a new special series. Uh, so stay tuned to that as well. Um, Exciting. <laughs> You're really moving. <laughs> Get on the oh, train, bro. Get on the train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right.